This is chapter 26 of Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc by Mark Twain. Volume 1, Book 2, Chapter 26, The Last Doubts Scattered. This time, as before, the king's last command to the generals was this. See to it that you do nothing without the sanction of the maid. And this time the command was obeyed and would continue to be obeyed all through the coming great days of the Loire campaign. That was a change. That was new. It broke the traditions. It shows you what sort of a reputation as a commander-in-chief the child had made for herself in ten days in the field. It was a conquering of men's doubts and suspicions, and a capturing and solidifying of men's belief and confidence such as the grayest veteran on the grand staff had not been able to achieve in thirty years don't you remember that when at sixteen joan conducted her own case in a grim court of law and won it the old judge spoke of her as this marvelous child it was the right name you see these veterans were not going to branch out and do things without the sanction of the maid <laughs> that is true and it was a great gain but at the same time there were some among them who still trembled at her new and dashing war tactics and earnestly desired to modify them and so during the tenth while joan was slaving away at her plans and issuing order after order with tireless industry the old-time consultations and arguings and speechifyings were going on among certain of the generals in the afternoon of that day they came in a body to hold one of these councils of war, and while they waited for Joan to join them they discussed the situation. Now this discussion is not set down in the histories, but I was there, and I will speak of it, as knowing you will trust me, I not being given to beguiling you with lies. Gautier de Brusac was spokesman for the timid ones. Joan's side was resolutely upheld by d'Alencon, the bastard, la Hire, the admiral of france the marshal de boussac and all the other really important chiefs de boussac argued that the situation was very grave that jargot the first point of attack was formidably strong its imposing walls bristling with artillery with seven thousand picked english veterans behind them and at their head the great earl of suffolk and his two redoubtable brothers the de la poles it seemed to him that the proposal of Joan of Arc to try to take such a place by storm was a most rash and over-daring idea, and she ought to be persuaded to relinquish it in favor of the soberer and safer procedure of investment by regular siege. It seemed to him that this fiery and furious new fashion of hurling masses of men against impregnable walls of stone, in defiance of the established laws and usages of war, was—but he got no further— Lair gave his plumed helm an impatient toss and burst out with by god she knows her trade and none can teach it her and before he could get out anything more delancon was on his feet and the bastard of orleans and a half dozen others all thundering at once and pouring out their indignant displeasure upon any and all that might hold secretly or publicly distrust at the wisdom of the commander-in-chief and when they had their say, Lair took a chance again, and said, There are some that never know how to change. Circumstances may change, but those people are never able to see that they have got to change, too, to meet those circumstances. All that they know is the one beaten track that their fathers and grandfathers have followed, and that they themselves have followed in their turn. 
if an earthquake come and rip the land to chaos and that beaten track now lead over precipices and into morasses those people can't learn that they must strike out a new road no they will march stupidly along and follow the old one to death and perdition men there's a new state of things and a surpassing military genius has perceived it with her clear eye and a new road is required and that same clear eye has noted where it must go and has marked it out for us the man does not live never has lived never will live that can improve upon it the old state of things was defeat 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 and by consequence we had troops with no dash no heart no hope would you assault the stone walls with such no there was but one way with that kind sit down before a place and wait wait starve it out if you could the new case is the very opposite it is this men all on fire with pluck and dash and vim and fury and energy a restrained conflagration what would you do with it hold it down and let it smolder and perish and go out what would joan of arc do with it turn it loose by the lord god of heaven and earth and let it swallow up the foe in the whirlwind of its fires nothing shows the splendor and wisdom of her military genius like her instant comprehension of the size of the change which has come about and her instant perception of the right and only right way to take advantage of it with her is no sitting down and starving out no dilly-dallying and fooling around no lazying loafing and going to sleep no it is storm 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 and still storm 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 and forever storm 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 hunt the enemy to his hole then turn her french hurricanes loose and carry him by storm and that is my sort jargot what of jargot with its battlements and towers and its devastating artillery its seven thousand picked veterans joan of arc is to the fore and by the splendor of god its fate is sealed oh he carried them there was not another word said about persuading joan to change her tactics they sat talking comfortably enough after that by and by joan entered and they rose and saluted with their swords and she asked what their pleasure might be la Hire said it is settled my general the matter concerned jargot there were some who thought we could not take the place joan laughed her pleasant laugh her merry care-free laugh the laugh that rippled so buoyantly from her lips and made old people feel young again to hear it and she said to the company have no fears indeed there is no need nor any occasion for them we will strike the english boldly by assault and you will see then a far-away look came into her eyes and i think that a picture of her home drifted across the vision of her mind for she said very gently and as one who muses but that i know god guides us and will give us success i had liefer keep sheep than endure these perils we had a home-like farewell supper that evening just the personal staff and the family joan had to miss it for the city had given a banquet in her honor and she had gone there in state with the grand staff through a riot of joy-bells and a sparkling milky way of illuminations after supper some lively young folk whom we knew came in and we presently forgot that we were soldiers and only remembered that we were boys and girls and full of animal spirits and long-pent fun and so there was dancing and games and romps and screams of laughter just as extravagant and innocent and noisy a good time as ever i had in my life dear dear how long ago it was 
and I was young then, and outside all the while was the measured tramp of marching battalions, belated odds and ends of the French power, gathering for the morrow's tragedy on the grim stage of war. Yes, in those days we had those contrasts side by side, and as I passed along to bed there was another one. The big dwarf, in brave new armor, sat sentry at Joan's door. The stern spirit of war made flesh, as it were, and on his ample shoulder was curled a kitten asleep. End of chapter 26